be alive to God. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I'm having the greatest time of my life in Christ, in God. In the midst of all of the situations and circumstances and everything that goes on with life itself, still enjoying it to the fullest. Praise God. I experienced a healing this past Sunday that was, that was very nice and kind. God's concerned not only with the great things, but even the small minor things with us. I had pre-planned to um, have certain things done to give my mouth a rest. I gave it a rest Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, and Pastor Lucia came forward and shared, and uh, that was a tremendous blessing. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Lucia. Uh, and so I was going to do it again on Sunday because the thing was still kind of troubling me. But as I've shared before, I'll continue to share. You know, there's healing in the house. Praise God. There is healing in the house. And sometimes when you just don't feel like doing something and you go ahead and do it, God honors the faith. And so uh, Sunday I, I contacted Sister, had Pastor Lucia contact Sister Shanice and have her lead first 15 minutes, and then Minister Killings lead uh, 15 minutes in prayer and intercession, and then uh, Minister Patton was going to come up, and Pastor Lucille was going to come up, and then I would just come up and just deliver the word and then go, go my way. But uh, the Spirit of God just rose up in this place on Sunday, and um, I many of you appreciated the word that came forth, and uh, it was, uh, it's just the things that we're dealing with and confronting in this day and time, and I think we need to have the mind of Christ in dealing with all of the things that we are faced with uh, in every area of our lives, and especially with this election that is coming up. And Christians don't need to have their head in the sand as they see things happen, and then it's like, whoa, when did that happen? It's like a whole lot of things are going on that we have our head in the sand in and aren't paying attention, and we don't recognize or acknowledge it until it's done. By that time, it's too late. We want to try and stay ahead of the game. And so anyways, as we cover certain things, I know it may have rubbed some people the wrong way. That wasn't the intention in the sense of um, necessarily hurting or offending somebody, but it was to bring forth truth. And it's like, is this really what you want? Is this, this how you really want our nation to be led? And what that's going to represent to other leaders of other nations and things like that and what it would do to the United States of America. I mean, we're already sinking as it is. We don't need to sink anymore. So anyways, um, the Spirit of God just rolls up and I just let him have free course and I was singing and everything and then went right on into the word. Praise God. And my mouth has been good ever since. Praise Jesus. Amen. It's because you can sit home, you can nurse a thing, and it'll just continue to linger. It's like it has its own life of itself. Oh, you treat me so good. Oh, I just think I'll stay with you for a little while. You know, you can nurse a cold and just give in to it and just let it wipe you out, have you laid down and stuff. But then you can get up and get active, and that thing will all of a sudden take off. It's like, hey, if you're going to be doing all of this, I mean, just get out of your way, if you will. But uh, rose up in faith in God, to God be the glory, and feeling real good even right now. So praise God. Has everyone given that's going to give? Do we need to pray for y'all finances or are you doing it electronically? I think some of you are doing it electronically. Praise God. And that's always a good thing. We appreciate that. So let's go ahead and present this to the master.
You can stand to your feet. If you have any uh, prayer requests as far as jobs, raises, promotions, you need something to happen for you in the workforce, then by all means, join in with us because we're going to come in agreement with you. Stand to your feet, stretch forth your hands in faith. Father, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity of being able to give. We thank you, Father God, that you desire a willing, cheerful giver whose heart is in their giving. And we present these offerings to you tonight in the wonderful name of Jesus. We come into agreement with every person who may be, um, may be lacking in the area of finances. Maybe they are... Uh, whether they need a job, they need a raise, they need a promotion, they need some financial favor to work out on their behalf. We just come in agreement with them. We come in agreement for even good stewardship that all of us are able to govern our affairs according to the way you would desire us to govern them. For you have given us the stewardship over the wealth itself and that we may do all the right things with it and that you will bless it to bring increase. Your word declares you give seed to the sore, you give bread to the eater. Your word declares that you are unwilling to do without a cheerful, hilarious, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in their giving. Your word says you've given us all things richly to enjoy. You have given us life, and you have given us life more abundantly, and we just receive that right now in Jesus' mighty name. You have broken the curse of the law off of our lives. You have redeemed us from the curse. Therefore, poverty, sickness, and death, Lord God, cannot come nigh our way. We thank you that you cover our lives and the lives of our loved ones. You cover this nation in the name of Jesus. We come against that coronavirus and we'll continue to speak against it in the name of Jesus. The more people they bring into this country who are afflicted by that thing, the more we pray that that thing be cast out in Jesus' name. We draw the bloodline around our homes. We draw the bloodline around our lives. We draw the bloodline around our family's life. We draw the bloodline around this ministry here, around this property here in the name of Jesus. We draw the bloodline around the city of Antioch over the state of California and throughout the United States of America, even around the world. We pray, Father God, that you will eradicate that coronavirus in China, that you will deliver them from that, that disease, that virus that has gone viral. In the name of Jesus, we speak extermination to that thing, destruction and overthrow to that thing, that it is cast out, Father God, and that, Lord God, these who are afflicted by it will be healed and made whole from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet in Jesus mighty name everyone coming into this country that is afflicted by it that Lord it will not spread it will not spread it will not spread in the name of Jesus we pray that that thing will be contained it will be destroyed and people will be healed and people will be made known be made whole by your mighty hand and by your outstretched arm father we pray for those who are sick ill and afflicted those who are experiencing pain within their physical body we rebuke the pain in Jesus mighty name we take authority over sickness and disease that would try and come upon us Jesus was wounded for our transgressions Jesus was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement for our peace was upon Jesus and with his stripes we are healed and we claim the healing 
healing right now. We claim the healing. We speak the word only to chase off sickness and disease in the mighty name of Jesus that healing virtue and power may flow freely in the lives of your sons and daughters to whoever, whosoever believes to whosoever believes to whosoever believes and will receive. We speak that over their lives. We release it over their lives in Jesus' mighty name. Anyone in this house, Father God, that is afflicted, anyone in this house that is hurting, anyone in this house that is going through pain, in the name of Jesus, we pray supernatural healing in their body, their physical body, their mind, their emotions. You heal and make completely whole, almighty God. In Jesus' name, everybody who agrees, said amen. amen. Now, may you be blessed in every area of your life and receive your inheritance as it is given freely to us in Jesus' name. Okay, hallelujah. First verse we want to look at. Uh, I didn't tell you to go here, but I'm going to read this. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Remember that. Never forget that. That's the word of the Lord to us. Well, that's old covenant. No, that's new covenant too. That's God's word which lives and abides forevermore and is for each and every one of us to receive and to build our lives upon. Again, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, remove the callousness from the heart, everything that would stop the heart from believing the word of God and the heart of thy seed, our offspring, if you will, even to our children and children's children, to the third and fourth generation is how God wants to carry this thing out. He doesn't want it to stop with us. He wants it to be passed on from one generation to the next generation to the next generation because it's God's will still that none perish but all come to repentance. And when we come to that place, we release the power and the authority and the rule of God in our lives to live by. And he says that thou mayest live. So then we drop down to verse 11. And it says, for this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. Verse 12, it is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up to heaven, who shall go up for us to heaven, and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? That's verse 13. Verse 14 but the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Now we're going to go over to the book of Romans chapter 10 and we'll see that this very word was the same word the Apostle Paul had in order to teach the New Covenant Church. 
And he uses the same thing, and just some words may differ, but it's basically saying the same thing or repeating what God said through Moses under the old covenant. But the righteousness, oh, Romans chapter 10, verse 6, okay, good. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Because Moses' righteousness came through abiding by the law. We are no longer under the law, if you will. In other words, we're not having to fulfill the law in order to get this salvation that we have so freely received through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The righteousness which is of faith speaketh. Everybody say, faith speaketh. Say it again, faith speaketh. Say one more time, faith speaketh. Faith says something, which is why even under the old covenant, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Under the new covenant, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. So he goes on, which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? Here's the revelation. That is to bring Christ down from above. Earlier, it talked about going up to heaven to bring that word unto us. We know that Jesus is the living word. Amen? Okay. So he says that is to bring Christ down from above. Next verse is verse 7. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. That's verse 7. But what saith it? I like what Smith Wigglesworth used to say when he was on this earth. He says, you have to saith it. Not just say, you have to saith, as the King James says. Just something about the King James that just has a kick to it that no other version has. So, or who shall ascend, or descend, I should say, into the deep. That is to bring up Christ again from the dead, Romans 10, 7. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, verse 9, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so the point of that is, is we don't have to go up to bring it down, and we don't have to go down to bring it up. It's right here. It is the living word of God which we have, which lives and abides forever. Here, it's just written on pages, but God wants to write it on our hearts and then hear it coming out of our mouths. Paul goes on in Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 10. He says, for with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, and with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And so there's the faith that speaketh. We believe in our hearts, therefore we speak with our mouths. And this is how the believer is expected 
to live and to practice their everyday walk. It's more than just reading, which is good. It's more than just hearing, which is good. But it is the taking in, believing, speaking, and then acting on it. That completes it all right there. We believe, therefore we we believe, therefore we, we believe, therefore we, we believe, therefore we speak. That is how the believer's life is. God says it's important because this is how we get it in order to know how to do it, to walk it out, to work it out on a daily basis. Every day we are living, breathing, and moving in the word and the will and the power of Almighty God. That's what he wants for his sons and daughters. That is what makes the difference in us. Again, we don't do this to get saved we do this now because we are saved, and this is the kind of life, and this is the lifestyle that we're supposed to live as the people of God. For some people, talking about confession, many, because of religion, will think it's like going before a person and confessing their sins, their faults, their, and, and, and there, there's a place for that. There, there's, there's not necessarily something wrong with that if you get the desired results, which is to be free from whatever it is you're confessing. In other words, the Bible teaches us that if we confess our sins, God is or he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why does he do that? So that we can go free now. Hallelujah. And not live with the dark cloud over our heads and the guilt of what we did wrong. God makes it as easy as confessing it. Who do we confess to? Well, you confess to God if you sinned against God. If you sinned against your brother, you confess your fault to your brother. But the confession helps to bring about the freedom and the deliverance. And it's just a lifestyle that we live as the people of God. And so anything, any promise that God gives us, any teaching that God teaches us, he wants us to take it into our heart and speak it with our mouths, and act on it with our lives. It's how we build our life in God. It's how we differentiate ourselves from the old person we used to be. Because really the only person we need to compare ourselves with is ourselves. Are we better off today than we were yesterday? Are we growing with the increase that comes from God? We understand that God is doing an eternal work on the inside of us, and God is faithful, as Paul tells the church. He says, he who began the good work in you, he's also faithful to complete it, to bring it to fruition at the coming of the Lord. So God's not going to start a process within us, and then, like we might do, leave the job undone, get back to it when we can, it's like there's a constant, ongoing change that God is working out in us. He is bringing forth the fruit of righteousness, as Paul tells the church at, uh, um, when he's uh, the letter to the Hebrews. He says, no discipline seems, what's the word he uses? Uh, good. I'll just say the word good. That's not the right word. No discipline seems good at first because it's painful. 
but the end result is the peaceable fruit of righteousness. In other words, dad doesn't discipline us, spank us, if you will, or train us to hurt us, to punish us. He does it because he's looking for some fruit, fruit of righteousness. He's looking for product or a byproduct of what he's doing on the inside of us. He wants to see those results come forth. Not just so he can say, see what I did, Jesus? See what I did, Holy Ghost? Ain't I good? No, it's for our good. Everything that God does is for our good and for our benefit. He can't get no more perfect than he is. He cannot get any more powerful than he is. He cannot have any more influence than he already does. He is God, complete whole. We benefit off of everything that he is and everything that he does. There's no imperfections in him. You can't add to or take away from him. He's been around since Everything, everything began in him. He is before the beginning because he has no beginning. So he's always been around, but he's not exhausted over the period of years that he's been here, if you will. And when I say that he's been here, he's always been. We've just come into the knowledge of him and his existence. But he's always been and he's never lost anything. He doesn't get weak. He doesn't get weary. He does not need sleep. He does not even need rest. Rest is really for us. When it said God rested from all of his labors, it meant he had created the things that needed to be created. That was done. But Jesus comes on the scene and says, my father worketh up to now and I worketh. My daddy's working right now, and I worketh. And when you're doing the will of God, your father worketh up to now, and you work it. You just come into agreement and then help God to do what he's trying to get accomplished in the earth. Amen? All right. So, the Lord thy God will circumcise or remove the callousness, the hardness, from the heart, excuse me, I just want to take a little water. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Again, and I don't say it to badmouth anyone, but Many might even think the same way, that we can never reach the place of love or we can never reach the place or standard that God has established for us or that God has set for us. Apart from him, no, we can't. Why? What prohibits us, what hinders us, what prevents, what keeps us out is the sinful Adamic nature of man. And until that is dealt with, as one commentator said, until we come to the end of ourselves, if you will, and we stop doing things in our own strength and according to our own ways until we get to that point till we come to the end of ourselves. Because that's when God can take over now. But as long as we want to keep the steering wheel of our lives and continue to take it in the direction that we want to go in, we limit God. We hinder God because that's that old Adamic nature. But our new man, let me get in the back seat. Lord, take me wherever you want to go. Wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do. That's the place God wants to bring us to. 
and he will remove all of the callousness, all of the junk, all of the filth, all of the mire, all of the mess, if you will. He, he's too loving to leave us in the same condition that we come to him in. It's a matter of whether we will allow him to do what he desires to do. Because when we do, we see from his word. So if I read this, as it says on the screen, on the screen up there, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, that means that's what dad wants to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. Cut, Lord. Remove callousness, Father. If that's, because that's what you see needed. Now, in the new covenant, where Jesus is teaching, he teaches in John chapter 15. He says, in this, my father is glorified. And some of you, if not all of you, already know what scripture I'm quoting and know the, the rest of the words that I'm about to say. And this is my father glorified that you what? Okay, and so what does the father do in order to cause that fruit to come forth? He says, my father prunes. Prune may hurt. Or it may look like or give the appearance of hurting. But if we let pruning take its perfect work before you know it, by this time next year, and it looks good. It's like, wow, I thought I killed that thing. No, that thing is producing apricots all over the place. Man, I whacked it until I whacked it. And I intended to cut that thing down. But it just came back. Those were many years ago. Some of you still remember that story. It's a good point. But nevertheless, dad comes in and prunes. Why? Because he delights in seeing us reflect him and reflect his handiwork being accomplished in the earth. Because others need to see the work of God, the handiwork of God. And it does not need to be disguised or, or, or covered up, if you will, or suppressed because we don't want to go through a certain process that dad wants to take us through. Some of us don't like pain. I don't like pain. Most men hate dentists. Well, I, I, I do. I, I, don't, I, I don't like them. I don't like them. <laughs> it's not about me, but I'm just telling the truth. I, if I had my choice, I wouldn't go to them, but I have. So anyways, dad says, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, which means our heart does need circumcising. And the heart of our seed, which means our children, our offspring, they need, their hearts need circumcising too. Why? So that we can love the Lord our God. Dad wants to get us to the place where we really love him and appreciate him. And also the things that he wants us to do, that we love and appreciate those things that he wants us to do because we understand that it's for our good. So whatever the word is teaching us, and this may be elementary and that's okay, uh, but whatever he's teaching us to do, he wants us to have love in doing it, joy in doing it, peace in doing it. He wants us to be at one with him in doing it because we understand that this is part of the Romans chapter 8. We know that all things work together for the good to them who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. It's cooperation with him because he knows what's best for us. Amen. All right. So for this commandment, which I command you this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. 
And as I said, we don't have to go up to bring it down. We don't have to go down to bring it up. It's right here before us. It's right on these pages that we have. Whether you have your electronic device or whether you have an actual Bible, it is given to us. Every day that we come in here, at least one word, if not scriptures, ought to be preached or ministered in some fashion. Sometimes it's free flow. We may not even open up the Bible, but still the word of God being quoted to you. And that's not saying that, you know, we're not accountable or, you know, we can just go and preach anything and everything, but we it's, it's the word that keeps you alive and keeps you going. And you ought to be wanting to read this word on a daily basis. Read it, read it, eat it, eat it, feed on it, ponder on it, meditate it, because it's life. John 6, 63. Can we get that up there real quick? Minister Patton, I think it's still there. It used to be in that passage. But, you know, it, it's like he wants us to develop a love for him, and then he helps us to love him. Yeah. You know, it's one thing for God. Love me. Love me. Love me. Love me. Love me with all your heart. Love me with all your mind. Love me. And then be a tyrant to us. He's going to force us to love him. No, dad gives us the choice to love him. Just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, you can eat of every tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is in the midst. You shall not eat of that tree. The day you eat thereof, you're going to die. Dad warned. It's like if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Why did he put it there? It was a test for them to see whether they would obey God, the word that he was speaking into Adam and Adam spoke into Eve, if they would obey that because to God, his words that he speaks to us, they are life to live by. He created us. We didn't create him, although some people have created a God that they, you know, treat him any old kind of way that they want to treat him. He accepts anything and everything that they do. But not the God the, who, who created the heavens and the earth not the God who always was, always is, and always will be. He gave us the opportunity after he created everything, and he created this people planet called Earth. Then he created man and gave him dominion over the Earth, over the feast, feast that's the beast of the field, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. You have dominion over everything that I've created here. I didn't create you first to see what you thought about what I was doing. I created it all and then I gave you dominion and rulership over it. That as I rule in heaven, you rule here on earth. That's dad and that's love. And so he created us, which means now he's going to teach us how to live. Teach us how to rule. Teach us how to govern. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to act. Teach us his ways. Hallelujah. Okay. Moving on. So that, that's kind of a, the, the, the foundation, if you will. We don't have to go up to bring it down. We don't have to go down to bring it up. We just, it's the word right here. We don't have to travel from this place to that place to go over there and hear a word. We don't have to travel from this place to that place or, you know, just go all, I, I, I just want to hear what everybody's saying. Or we just flip through the channels to hear what everybody's saying. We don't have to do that. Not when we got this. Now, mind you, what I'm not saying is, is we don't need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, because that's what God teaches us, that this is what I've given to you as ministry gifts to help you to come into the fruition or come into the divine purpose and counsel for which I have birthed you again. 
first time you came through your mother's womb, your dad's loins, but now I have birthed you from above, and this is the life that I've ordained for you. This is life more abundantly. This is life that exceeds and excels the very life, the natural life that you got when you were born from your parents. This deals with eternal life. This deals with eternity. I haven't created you to be in bondage to any man. I haven't created you to be enslaved to any man. I created you to enjoy the life that I have given you. I have come, Jesus says, that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. Well, why are people's lives so messed up? It's because they exclude God from their lives. The only reason we have our lives together to the degree that we have them as the people of God is because of what God is doing on the inside, working it, and we're working it out. Any good that is in us is of God. Otherwise, we'd be right back out there where we used to be, saying what we used to say, doing what we used to do, in bondage like other people, blind to the things of God like others, deaf to the voice of God like others. If it had not been for the grace and mercy of God, where would we be? Messed up. So, when we come to God, we should no longer be messed up. We should be growing up. Blowing up. Praise God. <laughs> I mean, we should be going from glory to glory and faith to faith. And you heard me say it over and over again, but it's worthy of repeating because it's true. Going from faith to faith, from one level of faith to the next level of faith. I had headache faith. Now I got cancer faith. I had... um um. At some level of glory, but the glory is unto God. It was like, you know, he got me a job, and that was glorious. <laughs> Praise God. Then he, he, he got me a car, and that was glorious. And then he got me a house, and that's glorious. And then he got me a wife, and that's and, and And you just, you understand what I mean, going from glory to glory? In the midst of the mess, he kept me. In the midst of where everybody's going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and are insane, I still have a sound, sober, clear-thinking mind. Thousand are falling at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but the plague is not coming near me. Why? Because I'm in a place with him. He's real. It's not a figment of my imagination. It's not pretending. It's real, living reality of the relationship that we can have with Almighty God. And we're just scratching the surface. There's so much more to what God wants to do. It's just, are we willing to get out of the driver's seat and get in the back seat and let God go? Hey! worst thing we could do is to come to him and tell him, that's enough. This is as far as, no, no. It's like, Dad, everything you have for me is what I want. The last thing I want to do 
is die a premature death where you had so much for me to do and I failed because of whatever reason, whether it be fear, and what does dad tell us to do? If it's fear, what does he tell us to do, Brother Pete? You know what he tells us? Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Amen. That's a good one right there. Be not afraid. Anybody else want to say something? Fear not. Be not afraid. Be not dismayed, for I am with you wherever you go. That's what dad told to Jacob when Jacob was ran off because he and his mother had came up with a plan to get the birthright. He got the birthright, and so um, Esau is highly upset, wants to kill him, and so they send him off, go to Laban, go to Haran, go to Syria, go, go, go there and, 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 and stay there and, 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 and tell it's time for, you know, because Esau is pretty angry. He's ready to really let into you. And so he takes off and he goes and, you know, the thing of it is he got the blessing on him. We know the story and the story goes along that as he, as he's going, he stops at a place called Bethel. And there he has a, uh, a dream. You know, he's going off and he's like, he's trusting God to watch over him. He lays his head down on the rock and he goes to sleep and he has this dream and he sees, it says a ladder, but it's really a staircase that, like a spiraling staircase that, that goes into heaven itself and God is above and then the angels are ascending and ascending and descending and Ascending and descending, and he sees all of this going on, and and then you know he he like comes out of it, and he's like, man, who? This is none other than the place of God, the house of God, and he he receives this download, and God assures him that he's going to be with him, and so he goes and he serves his uncle for twenty years, but he never forgets the vision. He never forgets what happened. And it's just surely as he went into uh, Syria, Haran, uh, the place they call it, and then coming back 20 years later, he's like, Lord, you got to be with me. Now, mind you, the blessing's on him. The blessing is on him that when he goes and he starts to work for his uncle Laban, First things first, he sees the, as God says to Ezekiel, the desire of his eyes. That's a description that God uses concerning a man seeing the, the woman that he loves, the woman that's for him. It's another expression, the desire of his eyes. And so he, he sees uh, Rachel. And he's like, wow. And he is head over heels for her. So in order to have her as his wife, he serves his Uncle Laban for seven years. And then his Uncle Laban pulls a trick on him and gives him Leah and says, basically, in our tradition, our custom is the younger doesn't get married before the older. So you got the older one. And if you want the younger one, you got to serve me another seven years. He served another seven years, and it was like seven days to him. He was so in love with her. 
And then he got her. And so that's 14 years. And then you got another six years that he's laboring now for the, 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 the cattle and all. And by the time those 20 years are over, Jacob has all of Laban's flock, herds, all of his wealth. And he's got 11 kids, I believe at this time, 11 and one coming. And by this time, he's got all of this. And he's, when he gets to that place where he wrestles with the angel, he says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. The blessing was on him because that is what allowed him to take all of Laban's wealth because Laban was mistreating him. We don't have time to go into all of the details of it. But anyways, to make a long story short, the blessing and favor of God was on him. And when he got to that spot and then he wrestled with the angel and then next thing you know, he comes face to face with Esau who wanted to kill him at one time. And Esau's in a place where I'm wealthy too. He wouldn't even accept any of, of Jacob's gifts because he was so wealthy himself. And so he's able to get reconciled back to the family and just go on, if you will. But the thing of it is, is that he was a blessed man, even in the midst of persecution and opposition of mistreatment, if you will. It doesn't matter what kind of a blow life is throwing at you, dealing with you with, punching you with. You're still a blessed man and woman of God. And if you don't acknowledge that, you'll never reap the benefits of it. There's just a certain attitude, certain characteristics, certain trait, certain level of um, character, I guess, to say. Because you understand who you are, and you understand whose you are. And you understand how God works. People are a fool to mess with you. I'll say it again for the hearing impaired, and hopefully nobody gets offended. People are, they're foolish to mess with you. Now, we're foolish if we don't walk in the character and we don't take serious our relationship and walk with God. Because if we do that, the Bible says God will even make your enemy to be at peace with you. The gates of hell will never prevail against you. Why? Because you're a child of the Most High God. You are blessed and not cursed. Okay, let's move on forward just a little bit. Something about the heart. Now, where does God want the word? In our heart and in our mouth. The word is ninety. In your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. You don't have to go up. You don't have to go down. You don't have to go over here traveling all over the place. You just go right here. This word ought to be preached in every house. God teaches us in Deuteronomy chapter 6 how we ought to rise up speaking it. We ought to walk out the door speaking it. We ought to come in the door speaking it. We ought to speak it when we get up. We ought to speak it when we lay down. We ought to speak it. You hear me? 
We ought to post it on the doorpost. Why? Because that's just how important God's word is. And the only one who doesn't want you to have the word or know the word of God is the devil himself. It's the same thing he did with Adam and Eve, and he tried it on Jesus, and it didn't work. Try and get us to violate the word of the living God. It is the word that lives and abides forever. And if we stand upon God's word and speak it like God wants us, we'll see the desired results. We will see results. God's word can't return to him void. He says it must accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing unto which I send it. Well, hey, I'm a thing. Praise God. I'm a thing. Everybody say I'm a thing. You're not discrediting yourself. The Bible says that he that findeth the wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor from God. Well, we are the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And so it, 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 that we're a thing, if you will. And that word shall not return to him void, but accomplish what he please and prosper in the thing to which he has sent it. That word is supposed to prosper us. We see that Paul, when he's talking to the, the Hebrews, he, he says, we see that they, um, they, 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 they couldn't enter because they did not mix the word with faith. I don't have to trying to go find it but somebody look it up for me it's in hebrews i think it's chapter four and uh he talks about it, the word not being mixed with faith if we don't if we don't believe what we're hearing if we don't believe what we're reading if we don't believe in what we're speaking it ain't gonna work but if we believe in what we hear which is the word of god if we believe in what we speak which is the word of god if we believe what's in our heart which is the word of god the results should come forth in jesus mighty name we ought to see results on a daily basis hallelujah because the word of god works when we work the word how do we work it we believe it we preach it we pray it if you will we prophesy it if you will we stand upon it we live by it we breathe it if you will amen amen hallelujah glory so it's it's so important listen to this i shared it i believe sunday um Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 and 10. Minister Patton, if you could put that on the screen real quick, that would be good. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, this is, this is the reason God wants to deal with the heart. Because we'll say things like, oh, they have a good heart. You know, because they may do, a person may do good deeds and all. And, and that's fine. I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad. But when we come to the level, I should say, or to the degree that God speaks of things, we may call something good, but God, God calls it evil. What we showed on the screen, many think is good. This past Sunday, many think it's good, but God says it's evil. Who are we going to agree with? All right. And so we may think something is good. It may look good. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it looked good to her for food. It looked like it would make her wise. It looked good to eat, if you will. I think that's the same thing I said. But it, it appealed to the eyes. It looked good for food. And it looked like it would make her wise. And so she went after it and ate. But God said it was bad. I'm sure it had a good taste to it. Because she ate, and then she gave over to Adam, and he ate. You know how it is if you bite into something that, uh, real quick. But 
dad says it was bad. And dad knows what is good for us and what is bad for us. And so he says here in Jeremiah chapter 17, the prophet is speaking under the unction of the spirit of God. The heart is deceitful above all things. It is the most deceitful thing, the heart. Deceitful, crafty, subtle, tricky, and desperately wicked. That word desperately wicked means it is sick. In need of healing, in need of replacing. It is desperately wicked. There is no hope for it. It must be dealt with by a changed heart, if you will. So God says the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. In other words, God puts a spotlight on our heart. Now, how does all of this tie in? Remember our scripture for this year, our theme for this year, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. And it goes like this. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. And so God tells us we need to deal with the heart and God is willing to deal with the heart in order to bring about the change that is necessary so that as the word perfect means, which is the Hebrew word shalem or shalem, which is the form of the word shalom, meaning being at one, being whole, being complete, being faithful, being loyal towards him. Yeah. More than any other thing, any other person, any other being, that our hearts are loyal towards him, whole towards him, shalom, friendly towards God. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God. Meaning there is no hostility. No hostility in the heart towards God or towards his ways. Towards God or towards his words. Towards God or towards his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances. Why? Because we understand. What's the understanding? The eyes of our understanding have been enlightened to know that dad is good. And dad only wants to do good for us and bring out the good in us that he gave us to be good with. He gives us a new heart. This is what he says as we go down to Ezekiel. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Je uh, Ezekiel says in Ezekiel chapter 11, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Listen to this carefully. These next few words that I'm going to read. For ye have not walked in my statutes, neither executed my judgments or my decisions, but have done after the manners of the heathen that are round about you. 
can you see dad saying, there's got to be a difference. There's got to be a distinction amongst my people and the people of the world. Now we get so caught up on so many things now, <clears throat> whether it's historical facts and things like that. It, it all comes down to Jesus Christ dying for the entire world that the world through him might be saved. There's an issue of who really, who does that land really belong to? Does that land belong to the, the Israelites that are there now? Or does it belong to the Palestinians? Who does that land really belong to? And then who are the real Jews, if you will? Those sorts of things go on. And it, to me, it's kind of like what Paul was saying. And some may disagree, but that's okay. And you may disagree, and that, that's okay. But it's just a perception of things. Paul says, don't get caught up into idle chatter, foolish talking. Don't get caught up into genealogies and things like that, because none of those things have anything to deal with edification. All it brings about is confusion. And, and the thing about confusion is, out of confusion comes every evil work. And so fast forward to Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, who died for the entire world, Jew, Greek, whatever a person wants to identify themselves as, Asian, you know, Chinese, Japanese, whatever you want to call yourself, African, if you will, Caucasian, whatever, whatever label people want to wear, he died for each and every one of us to repent of our sins and get right with God, that we might become the sons of God, that we might become the kingdom culture, if you will, abandon our cultures, if they fall short of the glory of God, we have no business doing those things. Amen? Yeah, our conviction should be to where if I can't do it in the name of Jesus, if I can't do it to glorify Jesus, I have no business doing it. Bottom line. Oh, see, that's just your religion. No, it's my relationship with God. And that should be... When I say it should be, it, it really should be. But somebody might say that's their own way of seeing things. And that's okay. But the thing of it is, is this is the way it should be for the children of God, seeing things from God's perspective. God loves us all. Doesn't matter what the color of our skin is. Doesn't matter what language we speak. Doesn't matter what country we were born in. Doesn't matter if we were born in a ghetto or in a palace. It doesn't matter if we're the wealthiest person or the poorest person on this people planet called Earth. It doesn't matter. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are in need of salvation. And so the Bible teaches us, whatsoever we do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. It teaches us that whether we eat or we drink or whatever we do, do all in the name of Jesus. If I can't do it in the name of Jesus, if I can't glorify Jesus in this, I have no business partaking of it. And I shouldn't have any ill feelings or things like that like, Oh, I'm missing out. I ain't missing out on nothing. I did that mess, and I'm glad I'm out of it, aren't you? Hallelujah. I spent enough of my years doing the will of the Gentiles. That's how Peter said it. We've given enough of our lives of doing the will of the Gentiles. Who wants to hang out at a nightclub? Man, give me a bed so I can go to sleep. Hallelujah. I praise God. So everybody may not see things 
necessarily the same way, but there should be some commonness if we're all coming from the same word. And so all we want now is, let's see, let's, let's recite that prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who are indebted or who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, that, that right there, that prayer right there just kind of like sobers you up and gives you clear thinking on what's supposed to be done, God's will. And that's how we face every day because that's a prayer that you can pray every day. You don't have to pray everything that's in that prayer, but it is a prayer that you can live by on a daily basis. Your kingdom is already here in the earth. Your kingdom is here. Let your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. That's what you intended for us in the beginning when you gave us authority, when you gave us dominion in the garden. You wanted us to rule earth like you rule heaven. And you do pretty good, almighty God, I must say. You do real good. And one day, all this mess is going to be purged and it's going to be destroyed and, and perish for all eternity. And we're going to live in eternal bliss and glory. We're going to spend all of our days with you. So we ought to get used to it right now. Hallelujah. Build that relationship right now. Hallelujah. I don't want to be a foreigner when I go to glory. <laughs> you understand what I mean by that? Who you? Who you? Who you? Who you? Who that sitting on the throne? Who that? Yeah. I want to know. I want him say a few words. You got to be Jeremiah. You got to be. <laughs> you know, you must be Obadiah. Mm-hmm. How you know? I read your book. Um, you, you must be Peter. How do you know? <laughs> I can tell by your attire. <laughs> You must be John the Baptist. Praise God. Hallelujah. You got to be Ernestine Killers. I remember you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. When you go and wrap your arms around your loved ones, you got to be a Virgil Lee Washington. Praise God. I hear you now say, you got to be born again. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Those, those words still echo in my ear. Hallelujah. So there's a difference and a distinction between us and the ways of the world. Because God is saying, look, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. For ye have not walked in my statutes, which means you don't know him. Neither executed my judgments, which means you don't know him. But have done after the manner of the heathen that are round about you, that means you don't know him. But look what God says, and I will give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them an heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes, which is what dad desires. 
He still desires that. It's not the letter of the law. We're justified by faith. Now we can walk in this freely. Hallelujah. Amen. And enjoy the full benefits of the word of God. Listen, God said under the old covenant, if you'll hearken to my voice, I'll command a blessing on your bread and water and take sickness out of your midst. That's good. Yeah. You still speak that. Yeah, because it's got to be in my mouth and in my heart. With the heart I believe, with the mouth I speak, and with this body I act. That's how we got to live every day, every day. And that brings us into victory. That brings us into the place of peace. That brings us into the place of oneness, if you will. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and ye are the branches. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. In chapter 36, Ezekiel says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put in you, within you, and I will take away the stony heart of flesh and give you a heart. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and listen to this, and cause you to walk in my statutes and enjoy them. Yeah. Boom. All right. Much more to go. Loyal heart is what we're dealing with, that heart that is perfect towards God, that heart that, you know, not only that God favors, but a heart that favors God. It's like he's the, he's the most important one in my life. From you, I learn about life and how to live. And I just want to live and declare your glory in all the earth. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, this time together. Thank you for your sons and daughters that are here. Thank you for even those who may be watching live stream, whether it be YouTube or Facebook Live. We thank you for tuning in. We pray that you're blessed by the word and you receive it. And as I spoke earlier about healing, God says if we hearken to his voice, his commandments and all, he would command a blessing on our bread and our water and he would remove sickness out of our midst. And we just pray that right now for you. We pray that your life will be fully pleasing unto God, that if you're not saved, you will get saved, and salvation is simply opening up your heart to Jesus, repenting of your sins and saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Live inside of me. Make me a new creation. Take away my stony heart. Give me a heart that is soft, pliable, and responsive to you. A new heart, a new spirit. Cause me to be born again. I trust what you did for me on the cross. And because of that, I now have fellowship with my Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this union and reunion tonight. That your good and acceptable and perfect will be done in my life. I will give you praise forever, now and forevermore. Amen. If you prayed that, you're saved. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now live for the glory of God. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Get a Bible. You don't have a Bible, contact us. We'll get you a Bible. Everyone needs to have one. If you have a smartphone, you can just download uh, version on your phone. That's one of the best Bible apps that they have out there that you can learn and grow from. They got daily plans and things like that to help you in your growth. And then get planted. Pray for God to lead you to a good church that preaches the word and holds you accountable concerning your life in Christ. We love you. Thank you for tuning in.